Welcome to the Contracting Handbook Podcast, a podcast for how to run a small contracting company. Whether you're a general contractor like me or a trade contractor, starting fresh or been in business for years, here's all the stuff you never knew you'd have to know before you started your contracting business with the man who's seen it all, your host, Mike Kenoki. That's me. I kind of want to touch upon some stuff in this, in the second half here about um, our excuses for not going after this and like mental health and some strategies to stay on target. So, so, you know, my excuse when I was younger for putting on weight and not exercising after work is that I was tired and I got my exercise at work and I was too busy to cook my own food. Um, so how does someone train effectively while they're busy? Good question. And the answer is the unstoppable tradesman. There we go. <laughs> no, there it but, is folks. As I said in the, in the last episode, um, in, in regards to our training component, you only need to commit 60 minutes per week at a minimum. Because we understand, or I understand, sorry, that that you don't have much time. I know I understand that with your time outside work, you want to probably spend that with your family, most likely. You also want to probably be spending that with your family and making sure it's the highest of quality, not that you're just exhausted from the day ahead. You want to have some sort of energy. So that is exactly why the Powerful Body Protocol, which is our training component that we use, it's designed to, to work and maximize, like, literally build the maximum amount of muscle in the shortest time frame possible, as well as all the other benefits that come with training. But that's pretty much the main reason why we would train in the first place as well. Um, but yes, it, like literally, if you can commit 60 minutes, which I can guarantee 99%, if not hundred percent can do, then it's a good fit. That's incredible actually. Cause I, I put a lot of time into exercising every week and it's a big commitment. I like exercising though. I like how I feel after. So that's, also absolutely yeah i'm not i'm not saying that 60 minutes is like the 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 all be all end all like it's just the, yeah. the minimum like if yeah. you can commit a minimum of that then you, you're you're good to go obviously yeah. people can can do more when they have more time that's fine but that's just what the minimum that we create for them no that's great because uh that that will definitely open the door for a lot of people yeah Six, 60 minutes is definitely because like training one hour in the gym mm-hmm. every single day let's just say for five six days a week then you got to travel to the gym then you got to travel back there's already 90 minutes over six times six times there's like it's just a lot of time that most people don't have no <laughs> doubt and yeah, yeah that's the main thing there the gym is definitely a tough one and i i i during covid i set up a i managed to scrounge enough weights together to to cool. exercise at home yeah so that's handy it was great um it's nice to be able to go back to the gym now too but uh and I've incorporated the gym into my life in that uh, if I have downtime or my schedule changes during the day, I just go to the gym. Cool. So, so I can just get a workout in. Good to have um, it to get into. Yeah. Having a bag with all your stuff in the car and ready to go. Awesome, man. So, yeah. Cause I live pretty far from the gym. So, um, so um, they're, getting their 60 minutes in um, and then diet. They're, di- they're working on their diet. 
diet has become, you know, it's a stigma. It's, you know, no, but just the word sounds like you're starving yourself. Sounds like you're, I don't know. It just has a negative connotation for a lot of people and diet. All it means is what you're eating. And, but, um, how do you deal with that with your clients? How do you, how do you talk to them about that? Because, because it is such a, it, that's the biggest turnoff for people when it comes to eating is being, having other people think they're on a diet. Yeah. And that's a good question. It's a great question because first off, I hate the word diet. I, that, so you, you're spot on. I hate it. I like to refer to things as a lifestyle change for people. The moment that someone thinks that they are on a diet, they're probably already lost because some sort of challenge has come up for them. Whereas what you're doing right now is your current lifestyle. Like let's say, say what you're currently eating is your current lifestyle. Okay. You want to make that effect of what you normally do the same as when you're on a so-called diet that you don't actually feel the difference. That is the whole idea of that. If you can manage a nutrition strategy that literally feels the same, like of what you're doing right now, then you've already won. Cause it's going to make you stick to it. Again, adherence is the bottom thing of the pyramid. The main thing is actually being able to adhere to whatever nutrition plan you have, as you would have heard like throughout this podcast or the last one, all I've said is nutrition. I've tried not saying the word diet because, mm -hmm. because again, like it is like, yeah, you're right. As soon as you think that you either think the 1200 calorie diet, the keto diet, like you just think specifics that just like, like it's just, I don't, I don't personally don't like the word. I like to look at things as a lifestyle change or that things, like whatever you're currently doing, it's no similar. It's no different to that in terms of the feeling of it. Obviously, the foods you eat are different and stuff like that. But like what most people are currently doing is what feels like right to them in their lifestyle. I want that to feel the same when they're on a so-called diet. Yeah, lifestyle change is the word for or the words for sure um, that I describe it as for myself because it was a total lifestyle change. Making sure I got my sleep making sure I was eating healthy food every day and dealing with stress. Yeah, man. Um, exactly. Yeah. And so stress management, you know, exercising is huge. Reducing your workload if you can. Uh, what else? Meditating. What, what do you, what do you, you know, if someone just says, what should I do about stress? Mm, yeah what are you going to tell me i love it first off i love teaching people where stress even originates and why we even stress in the first place so if you don't mind i'd love to share this with the audience yeah as well. that's great so basically let's just imagine me and you mike we're let's go back to thousands and thousands of years ago when humans first existed we were cavemen whatever you want to, whatever you want to call us back in the day all right let's just say me and you were walking out in our what are it called these fred flintstone looking things and we're walking out and we see this lion for the first time, or we didn't even know what it was. We just saw this animal. Okay. We don't know what this animal is capable of. So what would happen? Our stress response would activate, which is our fight or flight response. Okay. The whole point, which is our, sorry, which is also our sympathetic nervous system. Okay. Now the whole point of that, our fight or flight response activating is to protect us from harm or death. To, and it's also designed to detect a threat out there. So th this animal is a potential threat. Therefore, our fight or flight response will activate. When our fight or flight response activates, all our body's blood flow and resources go straight to our arms and our legs because the literally thinks we're going to fight this thing or run away, flight, run away, fight it. So basically knowing that is key because the stress responses was designed for us to be protected, okay? 
But the thing is about that is let's just say back then, yes, you would have, you were facing, you know, big threats like saber-toothed targets, enemy tribes, I don't know, whatever it was, okay? Now, fast forward to now, the same stress response in humans actually still exists. However, we activate our fight or flight response literally by being five minutes late to a meeting, for example, or by watching a horror movie. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Our body can't tell the difference between something real and something imagined, okay? All it knows is that there's a potential threat out there. I need to save myself by fight or flight activate, okay? It's crazy to know that, but it's true. Now, when I say the real verse imagined, a lot of people, like, actually, let's just start back to the horror movie thing. So you're watching a horror movie. All you're thinking is do not go in that room. You know, there's going to be the, the ghost behind the door. You know how it is in horror movies. I don't watch them because I'm scared of them. But anyway. But anyway uh, I don't like being scared either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Your heart is pumping. You yeah. feel like you're, you're in the movie. Why? Because your body can't tell the difference. Same thing when you have a really negative thought and you hold on to that thought. You're like, you know, I'm worthless. I'm not enough, blah, blah, blah. You hold on to that. You act out your own stress by doing so. Or you might be having predictions about what will happen in the future. So you might be someone that fears the future, which is okay because the future has never existed. It's only in your creation of it in your own mind. But sometimes our brain will like to forecast forward what may happen in the future. And that can create our own stress. You might think, you know, I'm going to go bankrupt in two months. I'm going to, my girlfriend's going to break up with me in two months. These are just random thoughts, but you're feeling stressed over it because your brain is like your nervous system is thinking that's actually real because it can't tell the difference. So that's the first thing about why stress occurs. Then it's also important to know that no one's ever stressed over a specific situation, person or event. They're stressed over their perception of that situation, of that person and of that event. So knowing this is key because our perceptions are the biggest thing reason why we feel stressed in the first place. That is why two different people with two different stress responses can see the same situation as different essentially. Now, what I mean by that best example is skydiving me, for example, if I was to skydive, I haven't done it yet, but even just speaking about it right now, my heart's pumping a little bit. Like I I'm feeling a little bit stressed from doing it. Anxious. Yeah. Yeah. However, the guy that does it, you know, a hundred times and that he does that for work, He's just like, oh, cool. Another day in the office, jumps off. Okay. Same situation, two different perceptions of stress, two different stress responses. Okay. Knowing this is key because you, like, once you can understand what your perceptions are seeing as being stressful or not, then you can reframe things in a different way. And when you can reframe things in a different way, that's when you can see things differently and stress might not be the same. So that's two things to un unpack with stress. Then the third way, let's talk about overcoming it. So you already touched on meditation and mindfulness. You're spot on with that. Um, meditation is actually one of the quickest ways to shift you from your fight or flight state, which is your sympathetic nervous system, into your uh, rest, relax, recover, or rest and digest, which is your parasympathetic nervous system. So breathing, doing some form of breath work, whatever it is, but meditation um, is one of the quickest ways to shift you from that to that, which is why that is known to alleviate stress. Um, I also like providing people some tools to use with this. And this involves writing down, which I'm happy to share on this podcast. So the first thing is to write down everything that you feel stressed or concerned about. Then the second thing is what are the triggers of that stress? So for example, if you're stressed uh, because you've lost a few jobs uh, or like you, you don't have enough jobs coming up, for example, then your triggers might be your relationship with money. 
because when you have a lot of money in your bank account, you feel happy. When you don't, you feel sad. Therefore, this is creating some sort of stress. This is one example, but I hope that kind of makes sense in terms of why understanding your triggers are important. Then uh, number three was, is this controllable or uncontrollable? Now, this is huge because is if, you're huge. if you're stressing over something that's uncontrollable, like coronavirus, for example, then just accept the fact that life is unpredictable, it's uncertain, and it's unknown. You can't do anything about it, okay? No point stressing over it, no point wasting another second over something that's uncontrollable, straight up, okay? But if it is controllable, write down every single thing that you can do to produce a better outcome for the things you're stressed about. And then the fourth one, which is the most important step, and it's probably very uh, different to what you probably have heard, but I like it, is be grateful for that specific stress occurring. Now most people are like, shit, why am I gonna feel grateful for a stress occurring? Well, this is why. You're turning a negative situation into a positive, okay? You're seeing, and the idea of um, asking yourself, what are you grateful for? Uh, you're also gonna write down, what are the benefits of the stress? What is this teaching me? And how am I gonna become a better, stronger version of myself because of this stress occurring? Okay, now you're extracting every single good and every single benefit and every single positive from this situation occurring. You're seeing it from what it is. And now the next time that can potentially happen, you're better prepared for it. Because I can guarantee the things you stressed about 10 years ago, you probably don't stress about now. That's probably because you've learned from it. You've gained wisdom and knowledge from it. And you're now a better and stronger person because of it. That's the importance of that step. So doing that entire framework, I find, can help people put all their thoughts down on paper and whatever they're stressed about, can allow them to see what it is and then reframe it in a different way where it's more positive and more serving them rather than a negative that's not serving them. That's awesome information. And uh, a lot of people could really benefit from hearing that and, and, and employing it. And uh, I, I would agree that when it comes to stress, you have to really stand back and objectively look at what you're, what the stress is, whether it's controllable or not. And many things are out of our control. So you cannot worry about it. You just have exactly. to let it go. And letting exactly. go is letting go is huge. Letting go is really hard because we are all, everybody's passionate and we just want to cling on to our ideas. And, but yeah, so many things aren't worth it. And when you, when you do let go and you, do objectively observe what it is you're stressed about. You can really focus. You can really get focused on what you're doing. And, and when it comes back around to this, you know, health and taking care of yourself, when you've objectively removed a lot of things that you're worrying about, you can focus on your health. You can focus on your job and get more done in a day and in less time and, and, uh, and just feel better. But I, I, I agree, like just that, that component of, 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 um, whether it's controllable or not is huge. Yeah. I think that for me, that's, that's one of my biggest, uh, things that I've learned along the way. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, some stress, we, that, that was awesome. I, but some things are, are, uh, out of our control because of mental health issues. And here's another thing like the word diet. Nobody wants to talk about it. 
nobody wants to you know, real, talk about their problems because there's such a social stigma associated with mental health and right. and it's way more prevalent mental health issues are are way more prevalent we know this now um and to me you know i'm fortunate to not have uh you know i i i deal with depression a little bit and it's genetic it's in my family you know but i don't have to take any meds or anything but you know People that do, people that are dealing with that have a much more challenging time dealing with self-image and weight loss and all these things. Correct. So, so what, can you elaborate on what you're, what you're learning and what you're, how you're helping people with these issues? Cause, because it definitely goes further than I just want to lose weight and, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll be happy to share that. So look, before I even say anything, just understand I'm not a psychologist, like, Obviously, for, for severe cases or people that absolutely need that, they, they should go see someone like that. However, obviously, everything in the program, I try cater it as best I can to the individual. And I also want to factor in every single factor possible that can influence that. Now, this is very different to understand, but there's a growing field called nutritional psychiatry, which is actually understanding what foods can actually help mental health. So nutrition for mental health. So I'd love to get into that um, because that's basically one component that I, I just personally think that if you're if you're not eating good foods at the moment and you are experiencing depression, that this is definitely something that will that will just help you in in any way possible, whether it's small or large. But understanding this, so most people don't know this, but we actually have a, a second brain, and that's our gut. So our gut acts as our second brain. Now, our gut and our brain are actually intimately connected. So our gut will send signals to our brain. Our brain will send signals to our gut. The, here's the thing, though. Only 10 to 20% of signals will get sent to our gut from our brain. But 80 to 90% of signals will get sent from our gut to our brain. This will mean that if you're eating low-quality foods, your gut health will most likely be not the best or definitely not as it's optimal. Therefore, 80 to 90% of signals will be sent to the brain telling that the gut is troubled. Therefore, the brain is troubled. The brain's troubled, as you can imagine, mental health side of things can, can deteriorate a little bit more. Also knowing this, that there's a hormone in our body called serotonin, which regulates our, a lot of things, such as our appetite, our emotions, our depression, uh, symptoms of depression, uh, stress, energy, like a bunch of things. But I bring this up because studies show more than 90% of serotonin is actually produced in your gut. So as you can imagine, same thing, gut health, probably not optimal if you're eating low quality foods all the time. Actually, there is studies showing that um, the diet, diet is one of the biggest factors that can influence gut health uh, and spe specifically the type of foods you're eating uh, as well. But as you can imagine, most likely the serotonin will be low in your body. Therefore, you be, will be if low serotonin. Generally, the symptoms are feeling depression symptoms as well as high anxiety, high stress, as well as a bunch of things like low energy, all that type of stuff. So you want to make sure you're eating the right type of foods and as much healthy, like actually I won't say the word healthy because that's a very broad term, but more so as much high quality unprocessed whole foods as, like, as you can, because that's going to support gut health. What else, what else would support gut health is also diversity in there. Meaning uh, again, I'm just going to keep talking studies because that's what the research is showing, but studies show that when you can eat 30 different plant sources in a week, that will 
significantly increase your gut health compared to only eating 10 plant sources per week. Now, when I say plants, that's like not just veggies and fruits, that can also be grains as well and legumes. So for example, and 30 in a week's not that big. Like let's just say your fruit smoothie in the morning, you might have four things in there. You might have your banana, your strawberries, you might have three fruits even. Banana, strawberries, blueberries, then you might put oats, there's already another plant, then you might put chia seeds, there's already five. So it's not that hard getting 30 in. But that, what diversity is, is, is every single, uh, I suppose, plant that we have can contain different type of bacteria. Now, I'm not going to go too deep with this because I'm not as deeply knowledgeable uh, in this realm, but I do know that when we have these different types of gut bacteria, we want that diversity in the gut because that can actually lead to optimal gut health. And then everything else will come together. Because as you can imagine, if our gut's our second brain, we want to we do everything possible, especially from the nutrition side of things, to help that. And then obviously with the serotonin production being 90% of that is produced in the gut, which is crazy. Um, we want to maximize that through eating the right type of foods as well. So that's how I think that the nutrition and mental health is all linked. That's fascinating. Uh, I knew there was a lot of connections there, but uh, that is really interesting. So, so, and then in your program, um, at the beginning, you had said that you have uh, a number of clients who are, have other, you know, mental health issues, suicidal, this and that. So what do you, I mean, how, what are you telling, what, that's a, that's a big thing for you to shoulder uh, when someone tells you that. And so how do you deal with that? Yeah. So First, the easy answer at first is I'll only do things that are within my scope. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to pres- prescribe, you know, <laughs> antidepressants for someone that's uh, obviously not qualified in that. Um, and I do share this with, with my clients before they sign up. So they know what they're getting themselves into. I'm not, I'm not ridiculously over-promising things that, and then just completely under-delivering. That's not the mm-hmm. idea of that. However... Uh, let's just say with the suicidal thoughts one, that generally comes down to that there's, this is where, this is just a, um, something that I, I think is that with, when someone has suicidal thoughts, there's generally one part or a part of their life that they want to end. It's not their life. It's just some part that they just, they want to change it and they don't know how to. And they think the only way is the, the, the old thing. So that's just understanding that. And I think most people though, when you like, when you look, go on to a journey to enhance your health in some way, you're going to feel better especially with doing all this. So, and that's what most people that come to the program, like that's only happened once or twice with this um, dark mm-hmm. of a scenario. But generally speaking, they're already people that like don't have much going for them in terms of their health. Like they're, they're not training, they're not eating well at all. They're not sleeping good. Like they're just feeling crap. So of course they're going to, I'm not saying of course they're going to feel like this, but you can understand that it's not helping their situation. So being able to provide them something that can simply getting them moving forward in some direction is basically what I'm trying to do rather than solving every single issue, I suppose. That's probably the best way to put it. Like, I'm, as I said, I'm not a psychologist. So I'm not here to, to yeah. completely help things, but obviously we do have a lot of tools that can, uh, I found that have definitely benefited probably every single person that's ever come to the program. Um, that's our mental health component, which we, which is called the unstoppable mentality. Um, and we also have a little bit of a toolbox in the program, which literally provides every single tool. So every stress management tool, every mental health tool, every whatever it is, boosting tool to help them. Because tools like um, 
they're, they're good to have and they're good to use. Obviously, they're just tools at the end of the day. It's no different to like when the tools that you use in, in your work, okay, you, you need them for certain things and then you don't need them for certain things. That's fine. But they're always with you. That's one of the biggest things. So whenever things come up, you can always rely on them if needed, if you found benefit um, in them. That's basically the, the best answer for that, I think. Absolutely. That's great. Um, and I would say that uh, for myself, uh, I, I, the tools I picked up on the journey are awesome. And it's, I would, you know, anybody who's, anybody who's out there who's stressing out about their health and, and the trajectory they're on, you know, they should go for it. And, and because once you get going in a direction and the momentum's there, it's really, it's really not that hard once you're going and, Correct. and the results mentally and physically are just, they'll make you feel so good. So, Correct. so, um, what, what would be your final, what, what, what would be your final message to people out there uh, who are listening and, and thinking about, about taking steps to get healthier and to, to get some mental clarity? Just know that there's always support out there for you in any area. I'm not just talking about mental health, but literally anything. Like there is always something that you can do. Um, if there's some, if any area I suppose resonated with you today, then there's always something you can do about it. Like mm -hmm. there, there always is. Um, and you don't like, yes, excuses will arise. Like the main one, as I said, I don't have time to do this. Well, in reality, reality, yes, you, you do. You just need to make sure what, where this sits in your priorities, that if actually achieving optimal health is in your priorities and ask yourself why even doing this in the first place is important to you. Most of the time, if, if you're a dad or a father already, then achieving optimal health for, let's say, your kids and being able to spend high-quality time with them, that's one of the most common in, with, with people jumping into the program, then that's huge. And then you should be doing something about that and not using the excuse of, I don't have time, I don't have energy to do this. Think about the long-term as well of why you, you're doing anything, not just how you're feeling now, but how you're going to feel in five years' time and ten years' time is just—is the current strategy that you're using actually going to move you forward or move you backwards? Because if it's going to move you backwards, then again, back to my first point: understand that there is support for you if needed. That's one of the biggest things I think. That's great. Hey, can you uh, do you want to tell everybody how they can get in touch with you before we yeah. uh, before we absolutely so. My website is www.vincentvecchio.com uh, and also on Instagram, I am The Unstoppable Tradesman. I also have a Facebook uh, group, which is basically a free community, which anyone's welcome to jump into. And it's called The Unstoppable Tradesman Crew. That's awesome. And and uh, I can vouch that Vinny's stuff on, on Instagram uh, is educative and it's well done and, and uh, it's and he's there. He, he communicates well there. So, um, and he's around. So, well, thanks for being here, Vinny. I really appreciate it. And, and this is really going to be uh, great material for, for the listeners out there, for anybody looking my, for that sort of, yeah. My, my pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks for tuning in today. I really enjoyed that talk with Vinny. That information is really valuable and worth considering at any time in your career. Um, but, it's nice to get 
you're dug into it when you start out. And today I want to give a shout out to Tim Sprague at LB4LB Framers. Uh, they are out of BC, Whistler, BC. And he wrote me a message earlier in the week that said, hey, this has been really great um, for newbies like me, uh, getting some information on the business side. And uh, Tim, I really appreciate it. Uh, Tim and I went on to talk a little bit more about the struggles of running a small business. And um, and he gave me some insights on what he wants to hear. So thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. And uh, you guys give him a follow on there on Instagram. All right. That's all I got. Later. Thanks for listening today. Go ahead and email me if you want to be on the show or want to tell me what you like or don't like about it at my email, info at thecontractinghandbook.com. And this is where I say, if you have not subscribed, please subscribe wherever you source your podcast. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Later.